0: Legacy means a lot of things to a lot of people. To some, it's lasting integrity. It's building and maintaining a history of greatness. It's making an impact on people and community. For others, it's dependable security and assurance in an uncertain time. To us, it's all of that and more. It's a mindset, a brother and sisterhood of hardworking people dedicated to doing the right thing for you and those you care about. Of growing today for a better tomorrow that's what legacy means at southwestern legacy insurance group what does it mean to you let's talk legacy
1: well welcome to let's talk legacy i'm gary michaels your host and again we have an amazing guest been looking forward to this interview today hh Leonards is an author the founder of the o museum in the mansion in washington co-founder of the nonprofit organization 51stepstofreedom.org to Freedom.org, and a close personal friend of civil rights hero, Rosa Parks. Thank you for joining us today and welcome to our show.
2: I'm truly honored, really blessed to be talking with you and I appreciate this. And your program is great, by the way.
1: Thank you. Let's get into some of the questions. The listeners can't tell this, but you're a white woman raised in what you call a very sheltered Midwest background. You had actually somehow never, ever heard of Rosa Parks and had no knowledge of the infamous Montgomery bus incident before a phone call you received in 1994. Tell us a little bit about that phone call and what you were doing and how Rosa came into your life.
2: So from the beginning of uh, the Old Museum and the Mansion, it's a very large place now. Then it was much smaller and we had a Artists and Heroes in Residence program. So we allowed people to stay here for free. Um, and we had been doing that for 14 years before I got a phone call from someone I didn't know to tell me that Mrs. Joseph Parks had been severely assaulted in her home in Detroit. She had no money, but when she got out of the hospital, she refused to go back home and needed a place that she could rest without public scrutiny. And could she please come stay with us? And I said, absolutely. And that's how it happened. It was humiliating. For me, after she had been with me for three years to find out her history and who she was, but it was really God's way because we connected on a the level, a deep level of soulmates, mother, daughter, mentor, whatever words it is. But our conversations were around family, mission, vision, and uh, religion and how to take care of other people. And if I had known who she was, I now realized that she probably would have left a week or two into her stay with me. Mm-hmm. You trusted me because I didn't know who she was and knew I wasn't going to use her for personal gain. Interesting. At the time, I was just um, humiliated by my ignorance. We didn't have any education about civil rights in Indiana. And it was really God's way that things happen in a certain sequence, in a certain order, because they're supposed to happen that way. It was meant to happen.
1: Right. So what was it like being with her in private? When it wasn't in front of the public eye,
2: it was incredible. There are people it's very rare that you meet when you touch their hand and you they become your muse and you become their muse so afternoon teas were unbelievable with her to sit every afternoon and have that to look forward to. Sometimes we'd have conversations sometimes we'd simple simply just sit and enjoy each other's company. holding hands was probably my most favorite thing with Mrs. Parks because you could feel what she was thinking when you did. She was that powerful. So it was just the quiet moments that I she taught me so much. And she never spoke unless she had something to say that was meaningful, although she did love comedy and she loved baseball. Her conversations generally were very thoughtful and she was able to describe things in simple terms that I now understand also is an art.
1: Were there any misconceptions about her that maybe the public sees because of media and what we all read and learned about her, but that wasn't her at all?
2: Great question. (laughs) I found out who she was and she said that she asked me to start traveling with her, I could see her frustration when people asked her what happened on the bus and seemed to pigeonhole her into the bus situation, but what is written about that situation is not... What happened. And no matter how many times she told the story, the uh, history books still have that it was preplanned, which it definitely wasn't, that she went and sat in the white section, which she didn't. But her story that she told over and over again was that she was fumbling in her purse for change. And she walked up the stairs because she didn't want the bus driver to leave. She started to put money in. She looked up and was horrified with who was driving the bus because in Montgomery, If you were on the bus alone at night, the bus driver would drive you to the end of the line. The police would be there. The bus driver, you would be um, raped. And so she saw his face and she was scared, but she had already put the money in. So she went beyond the barrier sign that said black section. She sat in the black section, but he noticed who she was. And that's when the altercation happened. She said if she had seen him, she would never have gotten on the bus that day.
1: So she knew this guy.
2: She knew the guy. And also she said that what kept her firmly seated in the seat after she sat down in the black section was a week before was when she had seen the picture of Emmett Till who had been burned and his mother had kept the casket open. And it was Emmett Till that kept her anchored in her seat. Pictures of him that kept her not moving and gave her the strength to stay there.
1: Wow. Wow. So you see um, that her journey and her contribution really needs to be demystified. And there's much more to it than just the one act of resistance we've all heard of. What else about Rosa do we not know? There's always more to a human being than just a one incident, right? <laughs> it's a bigger picture than that.
2: When it comes to activism... In the 1930s, which was 25 years before the bus incident, she was documenting rape victims, both men and women, in the South, which is extraordinary courage, if you can think about that and what it was like living in the South at the time. In the 1950s, she brought people of all colors into the NAACP. In the 60s, she protested against the Vietnam War. She started now. And in the biography of Anna Hegeman, who founded NOW, she says clearly that Mrs. Parks, what it was her idea. She met with them frequently to make sure it happened, but she didn't want people to think it was a civil rights organization because she was associated with it. So she was the sor- silent founder of the organization, and and people don't know that. But she did leave the women's movement because she felt that they should allow it should be an human rights were more important, that you pigeonhole people in the civil rights movement and the women's movement, and it was about equality and and making everyone equal on all respects, and that you couldn't do that when you discriminated against one against the other. So even she loved the Girl Scouts. Whenever she was asked to speak at the Girl Scouts, she always brought little boys from the inner city to her Girl Scout meetings. Mm -hmm. The fact that let's all be in it together. We need to pay attention to each subset, but we won't coexist if we aren't equal.
1: Yeah, that's a huge message there again.
2: And she is uh, the embodiment of what a true hero is because she had no ego. She was humble. It was about the mission and her vision um, and making sure that things progressed because she said in 1968, when her, during the Detroit riots, her husband's barbershop was burned and not by the rioters, but by the police. And she went to a diner with her husband, and on the paper bag, she wrote, in order to calm herself down, the struggle continues, the struggle continues, the struggle continues. So there wasn't anger in her. She knew that she needed to continue to work because so much of violence is driven by fear. And she felt that if people met her, if they touched her hand, if they shook her hand, they wouldn't fear her anymore. And and that was an extraordinary lesson also. Did she ever share with you what her childhood was like? It was um, in her eyes and memory. It was the most wonderful childhood ever. And the lesson from that is that she did not have an easy childhood. Her father abandoned them when she was two years old. Um, Her mother, she writes in her first book, was um, not meant to be a mother. And send her off to their, her grandparents to live. But in her mind, her mother was the best mother. And when she was eight, after she got married, her mother came to live with her. She was older. She took care of her mother. She understood what her mother was going through. But she was so happy that her grandparents were the best mother and father in the world. And she writes about that. But she was also open about it to teach other people that don't use an excuse your past to make your future always look on the positives of things. So when bad things happen, forgive everyone, everything in the morning, forgive yourself and keep on going.
1: That's a great lesson there because everybody has stuff. And it's interesting, you know, understanding the way she was raised, which motivated and inspired her to do what she did.
2: Right. She was black, white and Native American and a woman. So she didn't quite fit into anything. She was discriminated by white people. She was discriminated by black people because she wasn't black enough. She was discriminated by Native Americans and being a woman. So that's why from a very early age, equality of all and human rights became so important to her. So you're exactly right. Yeah. Everything that happened to her bad and there were w- really awful things that happened to her, she would Stand up again and keep on going. But sometimes she would step back and disappear. But when she came out, she was a fierce warrior. Um, And the same thing had happened to her when her brother and her husband died within a few months of each other. She checked herself and her mother, who she was taking care of, into a nursing home because she felt she couldn't tend to herself, let alone her mother, who she loved so deeply. And she stayed in the nursing home for a year. And during that year of getting her privately getting her life back together. She came up with the idea to create her institute in Detroit to empower the youth there to make their lives better. And that was her focus. It was extraordinary. And that was a huge lesson for me, that horrible things are going to happen, but we can choose to come out of them with hope.
1: Yeah. So all this is highlighted, or a lot of this is highlighted, in your new book, Rosa Parks, Beyond the Bus, Life, Lessons, and Leadership. What motivated you to write the book, and where can listeners find the book now?
2: You can go to Amazon. You can go to rhboy.com, which is the publisher of the book. It's the oldest African-American publisher in the United States, uh, 125 years out of Nashville. Right on. Great company to work with and be involved with. Or you can go to our website at oldmuseum.org. The book happened because the Library of Congress had an exhibit one woman show about Mrs. Parks. It was the first exhibit they'd ever done with one person in the past 200 years of their existence. It had all all been genre shows. And in their collection, they found pictures of Mrs. Parks and me, and they came to me and asked me to write a book, not a historian's account, but uh, about her soul and um, her heart. And I said, yes.
1: I've written a few books, and it seems to me that in the process... There were moments that were like aha moments for me. Cause you're really having to think deep and then you're right and then you're you're coming back to it, right? Was there anything that as you were writing the book really struck a chord with you that you think about Austin still today?
2: Yes. Several things. One is that we don't know how people affect us until we step back and write. Um, because I did not understand the lessons that she was trying so hard to teach me. I got some of them but not the most meaningful ones. So I would have shortchanged the time we spent together if I hadn't written the book. And one of the lessons was that we're hiding behind the laws. And if we don't take care of people's hearts, the laws will roll back. And I was writing the book while the laws started to roll back. And that's exactly what's happened now. And it made her mission of reaching out to talk to any group Even if it's two people, one person, 2,000 people about love is all that matters, even more important. So it's interesting how things intersect at the right time, at the right moment, because she is as powerful her message today as it was in um, when she was alive.
1: Powerful stuff. I mean, it's just it's so common sense. You say that the way stories like Rosa's become part of who we are and and live on past us is truly one of the closest things to immortality and that it's important to leave a legacy. You say that. And that's what we're so much about on this show. And then legacy is such an important thing to us. But what does legacy mean to you?
2: Giving back to others. And I firmly believe that when you do that, you live beyond forever. Giving back to others is looking at the bigger picture. What can I do to help those I love? What can I do to help those they love to make their lives better? So to allow through the legacy of people to create things that last, like the books you write, the art that's painted, or it's simply the love that you have for your father, you pass that on to your children. You take the best of what has happened to you and, and create the best for those around you.
1: What would you say if Rosa was with us right now and I asked her that same question, what does legacy mean to you? What would she say?
2: I think she would probably say the same thing, helping other people that are less fortunate than you are. I don't think she ever looked at what she was doing as something that was, she was always surprised about how she became famous. She felt other people deserved it more, but I don't, haven't met anyone that deserved it more than she did. Here was this a 100-pound, um, five-foot woman that was so powerful in her message because she didn't let anything get in her way of that. She always felt God was bringing her to special moments that she could teach and give. And she focused on the children of the world, which was in her nature because she couldn't have any children. So she take, took the suffering of not being able to bear children and became the mother figure to all children. And that's taking bad things that happen to you and doing something positive, which leaves a lasting legacy.
1: Wow, that's that's huge. That's huge. So you believe... It's critical to understand and remember where we've been. To more successfully navigate where we're going, to listen more, to learn more of where we're at. Do you believe that this is needed more than ever? Just where we are in life with everything that's gone on the last few years, COVID and politics and so much. How important is it? Do you believe that we really need to know where our roots are and why we act the way we act?
2: I think that What's needed now more than ever is people opening up on how they're feeling, opening up about what they fear, opening up what they hope to do. And also writing a journal or keeping notes is also important so that you know you have some place to express yourself openly that you can. But connecting with other people is so important. Having a community is so important, but being inclusive in that community and being open to listening to what other people have to say and if 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 everything you do is just love that is all that matters, it takes people's defenses down because I think everyone believes that. Do they live that? Not always because there's fear in their hearts and fear and yeah. different levels. But if every day you wake up and say, I'm going to forgive everyone, everything, and uh, I'm going to forgive myself, and then your day starts with love is all that matters, you're smiling.
1: Well, it's interesting. That's the second time you said that in our conversation here that if we all would just wake up every day and forgive everybody and forgive ourselves and just love and love people for who they are and love ourselves, it sounds so simple, but what would happen if there was more of that? I mean, it's true because it's funny. My um, fiance told me a story once about one of her friends that she was in a conversation with and she was an executive in a company and they were having lunch and the executive had to take a call and she said, just give me a moment and picked up the cell phone and took the call. And it was a very short conversation. And she got off the phone and my fiance said, that was a quick conversation, but you seem like you're irritated or you're something is bothering you. she goes, off, oh, it's just people. They're just peopleing. <laughs> and it's kind of an expression I use right now because we're all just doing the best we can. We're peopleing. We're, we're just being people. Right.
2: I agree with that. But ego gets in the way of helping other people so it many does. times if we can look at attempting to be more humble and authentic and letting go of ego um, what a better place we would be in a couple of weeks ago i was speaking at a rotary club and after i spoke one of the gentlemen in the audience said do you know what ego means
1: i think i did what do you hear what
2: go no, ahead tell me what
1: edging got out
2: that's it <laughs> that's it and yeah. i went Oh, my God, Mrs. Parks would have loved that. And that's a simple way of putting it, edging God out. Mm-hmm. And if everyone looks at that, when they start to think that they're the center of the universe, what a better world we would have.
1: Yeah. So if there were three big things that you think we as human beings could do to make our world a better place, what would they be for you?
2: Uh, seize each moment you're given and figure out why God gave you that moment to help other people. I think that's important. I think keeping things simple, which we talked about, and then to measure your words with grace. That was a huge lesson Mrs. Parks taught me over and over again. She thought about what she was going to say, and she said it with such simplicity that you learned.
1: And, you know, you're, you're doing so much to bring Rosa's thoughts to, you know, the current world that we're in and to the next generations. Empowering people to be brave seems to be a big you know, message that she had and that you're pushing forward, and and how the fear is the thing that holds people back. How are you helping to uphold, you know, Rosa's legacy in that about being brave and not being fearful and taking a stand for the right things?
2: So, one of the things she always did was meet people that didn't necessarily agree with her, and that was really her her um one of her missions. Another thing she did after she had been so severely assaulted is she started meeting with veterans and talking about PTSD because her brother had been, came back from World War II and and suffered greatly from his experiences there. And she said she didn't understand the depth of what he was going through. She wished she had, but now that she did, she spent time with soldiers. And, And for some people going into a hospital with people suffering so deeply, it would be a frightening thing. But it was about honoring her brother. So she always thought of things to get out of herself in order to do the things that she felt was important. So that is a big lesson. So when she talked to white supremacists, it was never about herself. It was about giving them the love that she felt for all humanity, no matter how you think. And because of that, um, in the Library of Congress, one of the um, Clan members gave her his robes and his hat. It was a very important gesture, and it was, those were very important things for her. She felt that she had done something positive with her life. Mm. A no press release telling people what had happened because it wasn't about her ego. You know, and, and you think about it, if you had formed an organization like now, wouldn't you want to take credit for it? Sure. No, it was about making sure it happened.
1: So tell us a little bit about the missions of the O Museum. In the mansion, as well as Fifty One Steps to Freedom, and a little bit about some of the things you're doing with those organizations.
2: So I started the mansion with no money, no business background, no art background, no design background. I had come to Washington to help my country and tried to join the Marines. It was the first year women were allowed in, and uh, my hometown in Indiana did not want women in the military, so they kept on losing my. Paperwork. So after the third time of applying, I said, God's telling me to go to the Capitol. And I came as a nanny and took care of seven children. And wherever I went, I couldn't meet people that wanted to do anything for anyone but themselves. And that's when I started to have the mission of creating this place where there was art and there were music and uh, conversations. Um, so inside the old museum in the mansion, which is now 110 rooms, it's extraordinary how people's lives are changed. It's a physical place to reconfigure who you want to be today. It's a sanctuary. We have famous musicians, famous writers, but we have just people. And everyone has their ups and downs in life. So you might have your favorite musician was their manager stole everything and they're penniless. Or they haven't been able to create music for 20 years. Um, and they come here and all of a sudden they start creating incredible jazz music. So it's just a huge range of people. So Prince used to come in and write music here. The Eagles have been here. And they come here anonymously, so people don't know who they are. When when these people are out of their makeup and their persona, uh, they're just normal people. And they enjoy the interaction with other people. Um, in another place, they wouldn't. They'd think they couldn't be themselves. And here they do. So it strips down the uh, ego. It strips down the facade and people can be real. It's It's really magical. Wow. We don't have any expectations. We don't ask any of our heroes or artists in residents to do anything. We just provide them a place to disappear and figure out who they want to be. And that's what's great about life, that you can reinvent yourself.
1: Absolutely. So how would people get a hold of you?
2: H at omuseum.org. Send me an email. You can go to our website at omuseum.org. You can go to uh, our mansion site omansion.com. And 51 Steps to Freedom is an extraordinary program that we're building to bring tourism back to Washington and talk about equality and freedom through storytelling. So it's not going to be a boring tour that your mother always takes you to or a boring museum that doesn't come home. It's, it's, It's an exciting interactive. We're doing augmented reality and it's not normal sites on the mall. That people know about it's the history of the neighborhoods in washington and putting them together so the pandemic was good because it allowed us to, me to have the time to step back and figure out who i wanted to become we were closed for 10 months so i learned how to create videos we went and produced music with some of these artists so it's it's been a glorious time of learning and change
1: well, thank you so much for sharing. See, you're so authentic. You you care so much about people. I can see in your heart, you believe in love and what Rosa did. And I could see why you guys became so close. But it's so cool.
2: And my message to anyone listening is you can do the same thing yourself. It doesn't take anything special other than your heart and saying, I'm going to do this.
1: There you go. Thank
0: you so much for joining us.
2: Well, you are good. Thank you.
0: If you've enjoyed today's podcast and want to learn more, visit us at southwesternlegacy.com. Shoot us an email via our easy contact form to find out how you can become an agent or how we can meet your needs for final expense coverage. You can find this and other episodes at letstalklegacypod.com on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Let's Talk Legacy is a presentation of the Southwestern Legacy Insurance Group, a member of Southwestern family of companies.